Hey guys, welcome back to Nomad Wolf. You're listening to episode 47. Um, it's just going to be me. We're going to be talking about protecting the finish at all costs when it comes to obviously running, training, or even working on a project and the ways to do that. Primarily negative split training, something recent that I've been implementing in my training and I think it's really been helpful both physically and mentally. So yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy. Ever miss the mark you set for yourself? You may be left vulnerable, feeling stuck in a low point, questioning your abilities to go out and perform what's staring back at you again. But in the midst of this dark time, you begin again, step by step, this time a bit smarter. But what's changed? Your approach. You've asked for help along the way, and those people have begun to light your path with answers and belief. My name is Glenn Gabriel, and this is the Nomad Wolf Podcast, a show about life, sport, business, and everything we could eat in between. We connect with high performers, endurance athletes, biohackers, mindset coaches, and pretty much anyone around the world with the appetite to challenge their potential thus uplifting and unlocking everyone else's ability to seek theirs. So whether you're going from couch to 5k or you're a long workout weekend warrior, we hope you find what you've been looking for or what's been looking for you. For most of us, we love the idea of finishing something stronger than how we started. It's probably something we picked up during elementary school PE class. I know I did. But the last 100 meters of our one-mile time trial was everything to us when we were seven, eight years old. And I like to think we're still those young, hungry kids trying to get outside and play during whatever recess we design for ourselves today. Anyway, as I continue to learn about how my own behaviors dictate my experience in training, I've learned the hard way about protecting the finish. And one of the ways to really protect the finish is by intentionally practicing to end stronger than how we start. Lately, I've been practicing a concept called negative split training. And although I'm not perfect at it, because it really does take some practice, I feel like my training has benefited both physically and mentally. So what is negative split training? Well, to define negative split training, I guess I I want to define the opposite of it. And that's pretty much starting off way too fast, trying to feel really good right away in the early part of the run. And then by maybe mile seven, or depending on how how long your run is, you start to crash a little bit, your, um, your pace dips, and then you end up bonking, then you end up suffering, and then you're in a death march. It's not really something you want to be at, and it's definitely something that you don't really think about when you're starting off your run. But it doesn't actually have to be as dramatic as that. It could just simply be that your pace starts to drop, and then, you know, maybe you miss your mark, whether that's a pace that you wanted to end at, or maybe it's a distance that you wanted to go to, especially when we're talking about, like, longer efforts, um, maybe beyond the half marathon mark you know this game of endurance actually requires some strategy and i feel like negative split training is one of those things one of those strategies that 
if we implemented it in our training, uh, when it came to the race, um, we'll be able to finish strong. Anyways, I just want to preface this by saying that, you know, I'm a recovering athlete that has started off races and many of my training runs way too fast. You know, that first third of the run is after you're warmed up is it's time to fly. And, and that, that whole sensation of flying after your warm up is, is a lot of fun, but you know, you could just end up like Icarus and fly too close to the sun and then just end up burning your wings in order to protect the finish. I've made it my goal and my intention, uh, the past couple of weeks to start my long runs at a much, much slower, easier pace so that I could finish even faster than how I started. What I'm starting to learn, you know, whether I'm learning something on YouTube or reading something or even uh, through my podcast interviews or even just hanging out with my other trail friends, how we train is how we race. So to ensure that we protect the finish, you know, I feel like negative split training is a way to go. Anyways, another thing that has helped me during this whole negative split training process is to define specific pace or power goals. And when I say power goals, uh, I just want to say that I'm using a stride power meter, which kind of uh, shows my power output similar to like cycling when you have a power meter and it tells you how much um, watts you're putting out. It's the same kind of concept, uh, but pace and power, we can think of those two things as similar. Maybe in a different podcast episode, I'll dissect the specifics between how they're different and also how uh, heart rate training is different. But going back to the topic right now, um, defining specific pace goals, you can start off with defining three goals. Your top goal, your A goal, which is characterized as your ideal time or your ideal pace. Imagine the perfect day out. The sun is shining, but it's not too hot. There's a beautiful breeze cooling you off the whole time. And, you know, everything's just working out. And this is giving you your race pace, um, your beautiful day out pace. You're, you're flying, you just feel weightless. This is a really, really good run. And this is something that we want to aim for as the ideal day. So that's your A goal. Your next goal, your B goal, is a pace that's affected by small intermediate problems. Maybe you have a stomach cramp, like from mile three and four, um, that eventually goes away. Maybe it's a little bit too hot. Some segments are, are just not that shaded and, you know, you have to find different ways to cool off. You know, that can definitely affect your pace goal just a little bit. And then your last goal, your C goal is, you know, maybe you didn't get to train as much. Maybe Maybe there are certain stresses in your life, whether it's like work relationships, maybe you didn't eat something right the day before and, you know, the weather is just not ideal the whole time. And, you know, pretty much you're just out there to survive the run. You're just trying to get to the end. And what is that, that pace looking like for you? I believe by defining these different pace goals, you're able to attach your mind to certain scenarios and still work towards, you know, that metaphorical star uh, without getting, 
you know, super discouraged. And what I've noticed from other ultra runners, even um, professionals, is that sometimes if they miss their A goal, they'll redefine another A goal while they're in a race or while they're in a run, which I find really, really interesting. I guess the point is to protect your finish, you want to always attach your mind to a specific goal because without you aiming at a particular thing, um, I mean, even if it's just the seagull, you want to be able to have other goals that kind of keep you motivated yourself. That way your mind isn't wavering as much and hopefully you can end uh, your run or whatever training or whatever project that you're doing on a good note. After you set those goals, uh, it's probably a good idea to check those paces or check those goals with a friend, with a coach, with a mentor. Uh, anyways, someone that you can really open up to and have an honest conversation about all of those goals given your training, given your training history. The main reason we want to do that is because sometimes we limit ourselves. We end up thinking that we can't do something great uh, because of an experience in the past and you know that kind of puts a an invisible ceiling above above our thought, right? And then other times we get super overly confident about our abilities. Maybe we saw so many like inspirational YouTube documentaries about ultra running that we just get so amped and so hyped and we, you know, think that we can just like really kill some vert and summit like ASAP, you know, and Although inspiration is really, really good um, and we want to feed on that energy, it's also necessary to, you know, reel, reel that energy back in and kind of budget it so that we don't end up pushing too soon and, you know, obviously burning out at the end. So the next thing after we, you know, clarify our goals and have that conversation with you know, our friend or our coach is that we want to strive for our A goal pace exclusively at the end of our runs. And this is something relatively new to me. Like, like I said, I've been trying to implement negative split training, you know, in the, in the past four weeks, but aiming for the the perfect race goal pace at the end of the run is crucial to doing this right. The end of the run can be pretty much 10 to 15% of the run itself. So for example, so for example, I did a marathon training run, so 42 kilometers, which means 10% of that is 4.2, right? So the last 4.2 kilometers of that run, I aimed to push for my A goal pace, which is somewhere around sub six. And to achieve that, the beginning part of the run, I have to consciously start off much slower than I usually like to, to the point where it, it might feel uncomfortable to run that slow, but I wanna be able to let the pace slowly get better as my body warms up. Usually I pick apart a run into thirds, so the first third, in my case, the first 14 kilometers, I want to run this at a pretty slow pace, my warm-up pace. If you want to get specific, adding 
80 seconds or more to your A goal pace. And by doing this, by starting our runs intentionally, even sometimes uncomfortably, because it, it is going to be a little bit weird and uncomfortable to start. You know, if you're doing a marathon effort, that first 14 kilometers, you're going to be like, why am I running this slow? I should be getting after it, right? But the main thing is we want to still be able to get the benefits of a long run and most importantly, finishing a long effort. But we also want to give our body a chance to get better over the course of the run. The main trap that we want to avoid is thinking that we'll be able to run our A-goal pace, our, our race pace, during the last four kilometers after holding a pace that's maybe only 30 seconds slower than that. And some people are able to do that, um, but from my own personal experience, that's pretty hard. And I think after consistent training, you'll be able to do that, especially in a race. But from my own personal experience, you know, learning the hard way, letting adrenaline, the desire to feel good right away, even letting others around me dictate the pace to begin a race at, I now know that saving and protecting the finish is the most important thing. And to do that, you need to run at a pace that can carry you all the way to the end comfortably so that you're able to push at the end. And if you can ingrain this into your training, then come race day, you'll be implementing that slow patient start and that strong finish as habit. And I think that's what we really want to aim is to build that pattern in ourselves that we can always end a project or end a run um, stronger than how we started it. And the last thing that has helped me recently during my long runs is increasing my awareness on my cadence. My coach a couple weeks back told me that for cadence, a good general rule is to start at or above 170 strides per minute and to kind of see how your body adapts over time to that. The reason that we want to focus on a higher cadence is because it actually reduces injury and increases efficiency by lessening the force of impact and breaking motion of each stride. She recommends to athletes that we count our footfalls um, a few times each run. I guess to start every 10 minutes would be good. So for 30 seconds, count how many times one foot hits the ground. Anything over 42 is really good. If you're below that total, you want to shorten your stride slightly and focus on relaxing your hips and letting your momentum do the work. On slower, easier days, this might feel a bit awkward, and it might feel a little robotic at first. I know I, I felt that way, but what was interesting was I was able to pick up my pace and still keep my heart rate at the same level, if not even a little bit lower. So by paying attention to your form and your cadence, you're able to increase run efficiency, and I would say that has been a huge benefit in completing my long runs recently. Lastly, a really big point that I've learned recently is that running fast shouldn't mean running hard. There's a definite difference between both things. We should always be aiming for flow and ease in our running and eventually over time, it might not happen at first, but over time that should translate to fast. 
Anyways, I'm gonna leave you guys with a quote that's heavily related to this and something that I think of from time to time. And it's, real sharpness comes without effort. And that one's from Kobe Bryant. We miss you and thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Nomad Wolf Podcast. It really means so much that you guys take the time out of your day to spend it with me and our guests. I really hope that today's content here and on the blog helps you on your path. If you're a new listener and like what you hear, feel free to hit the subscribe button. We'll be interviewing more Nomad Wolves and unpacking more secrets and stories that you don't want to miss. I'm going to leave you guys right here, but in the meantime, take care, take care of each other, stay present, and do your best to move forward, even if it's only a little bit. I'll catch you next time. Peace.